Let's stand and open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3 in verse 14. Look at Paul's prayer. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the correct posture in prayer. I understand we can't always do that, but it is a good idea to do that on a regular basis. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. This is Paul's prayer towards and for his children. If you see Paul's prayer, it's not for the physical or the financial needs of these people. And I've thought about my own children. I've thought about you. The very first thing he asked for them was for them to be strengthened with might by his spirit. As I've prayed for my own children, but oh God, give them good mates. God, give them wisdom. I know their weaknesses. I know their failures. I often look at my children, see my own faults and defects. But oh God, help us to develop in them character. And we have. We've taught them when the alarm goes off, they're to get up. We've taught them to make their beds and to clean their rooms. We haven't been so successful in that area with all three. But honestly, I think in life we've gotten off track. Because as parents, our emphasis and our prayer has been, God, help us to raise morally good children. We've raised children of high character. Our kids without a college degree from a public institution are making money while many with college degrees are without work. Most of them are flawless in their character. We've concerned ourselves with their beauty. They know how to dress. For the most part, they're sharp. They shine their shoes. They are in their clothes. They match normally once they get past sixth grade. And we've concerned ourselves with things that are good. We forgot to concern ourselves with their spirituality. And here's where I've been slapped in the face by the Holy Spirit that I've emphasized discipleship, but the problem is my frustration with not seeing the result I wanted. There's a root problem that's involved there because discipleship is so all-encompassing. Discipleship is not just in the life of a new convert, but it's in the lives of our children. Discipleship is not a 10-week course or a 10-month accomplishment. 
But discipleship is done over a lifetime. And discipleship is done with our children. Discipleship is done on every level of ministry. Every ministry we have from the school to the clubs to the prison ministry, it's all discipleship. Everything. Donald's class is discipleship. Three-year-old clubs is discipleship. But we've taken all these avenues with our own agenda, a good agenda. But what Satan wants you to do is replace God's agenda with a good agenda. And we've managed to do that. And there are times in my soul I'm grieved. I'm grieved with the spirit I see, or I'm grieved with immodesty, or I'm grieved with sensuality, and I'm grieved with these things, but the bottom line is it's not a rule we can implement. It all boils down to your personal relationship with God because so many come to church, they don't even hear the message. The problem was not the message. The problem wasn't the clarity of the text. The problem wasn't the outline. The problem was when you come to hear from the Holy Spirit, you'll hear and the message will be so clear, you'll have no choice but to respond. And as Paul looked at these children in the faith and he threw himself on his knees before Almighty God, he did not say, God, these people are suffering persecution. Oh God, if you knew Ephesus and the idolatry in Ephesus and the wickedness in the name of religion, fornication, sensuality, sexuality was being promoted in the temple in the name of religion. And he didn't say, oh God, guard them from fornication. He didn't say, oh God, protect them from persecution. Oh, God, this church is suffering financially. God, this is a young church. They need a building. Not what he cried. Strengthen them with might by his spirit in the inner man. The more carnal we are, the more concerned we are with the outer man. The clothes and the shoes and the purses and the things and the comforts and the heat and the softness of the bed and the comfort of the pillow. The more carnal we are, the less we're concerned about the inward man and the more we're concerned about the outward man. And here's what's funny. When you're carnal, the more you accuse people of being concerned about the outward man. Well, your inner man is corrupt and vile and wicked. Let me ask you how concerned you are about the inner man. If we set a timer on how much we invested this week in ironing our clothes and shopping and eating and preparing food and how much time we spent combing our hair, 
bathing ourselves and finding just the right match. Now, tell me about your time with God on Monday. Your problem is not with your spouse. Your problem is not with another person. Your problem is not with your boss. Your problem is with yourself. You don't have a walk with God. You have no inner strength. Everything is outward. Your concern is to look nice, to impress. And you are very good at that. In our prayers, oh God, make me well. We're concerned with the outward. God, help me make money. Give me a raise. We're more ashamed about the year of our vehicle than we are about our poor relationship with God. We have greater shame for being recognized as a child of God than we do over the fact that our prayer life is nearly non-existent. Paul says, strengthen them with might by your spirit in the inner man. How concerned about your children are you when it comes to their outer man? You don't want them to be hurt. You like them to have nice clothes. You spend hours a day helping them, whether it's preparing their food, cleaning up after them, washing their clothes, hours on their outward man. And you know their inward man is not doing so well. But it's not even a prayer. Teach him to iron his shirt and shine his shoes. Teach him to get up early, eat all his food, even his vegetables. Teach him to do good homework and obey the teachers. But the first prayer you ought to pray every day, oh God, help him to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. As a teacher, are we concerned about that child? Is our only concern about their character and their homework and their grade point average? Or is our concern, our primary concern, their inward man and being strengthened by the Spirit of God. What about your concern for your mate? Now, these are progressive steps. Let me just say, these five things that Paul states here, I believe they go in a progressive order, so you can't go to number two until number one has already been put into action. So when our concern turns, listen to me, It's not hard to tell where we're at on a spiritual level as a church because you just take a look at our actions, at our direction, at our thought process, at our daily lives, our habits, our hobbies. You would have to say right now our focus is the outward man. And I'm not talking about externalism. I'm not talking about outward rules and law. I'm talking about how much our focus is on the petty, the carnal, the sensual. And it's not a bad thing. Please comb your hair. Please dress nice. Please concern yourself with that. But when we put 
all of our emphasis in time and effort into the outward and neglect the inward man, it's revealed in our spirit. It's revealed in our love. It's revealed in our actions. It's revealed in our lack of commitment. It's revealed in our anger, frustration, bitterness, hatred, strife, envy. It's revealed. Because when you're good with the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is not Envy. The fruit of the Spirit is not pride. The fruit of the Spirit is not hatred. The fruit of the Spirit is not strife. The fruit of the Spirit is not anything uncomely. That's the fruit of the flesh. Paul said as he prayed on his knees before his heavenly Father that they may be strengthened with might by his Spirit... That's the only way you're going to be strengthened inwardly through the Spirit. Number two, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, this is not speaking of salvation, obviously. Paul is speaking to a church, to a saved congregation, and he's saying that Christ may dwell. Now, we're talking about, when we talk about dwell, we dwell a lot of places. If you travel, you dwell in hotels. Sometimes you spend nights in places that you're not comfortable spending nights in those places of lodging. My wife and I have traveled a lot over the course of our lifetime. We've stayed in homes where there were roaches in the kitchen. Dogs and pets, I... I personally despise animals and I hate the thought of an animal in the house and we have slept in beds and pulled back covers where there were dog hair. Now, I stayed there but there was no comfort. I have comfort in my house. We've all been places and stayed places and slept places where we felt uncomfortable the entire time we were there whether that was the bed or the couch or the kitchen or the bathroom or the closet, you are uncomfortable. Let me ask you this. He's saying, God, I want their hearts to be so clean that you can dwell there comfortably. Let me ask you how comfortable God is in your heart. What if he just sat down at your kitchen Say, Preacher, what do you mean my kitchen? That's the place of your appetites, your desires. How comfortable is he with your desires? Your desire for more. Your desire to please man. Your desire to fit in a very wicked society. Your desire to be sensual. Your desire for sitcoms that mock God and profane the holy and glorify homosexuality. How comfortable does God dwell in your heart? This is Paul's prayer. This doesn't seem normal, but Bobby, this is the prayer that you should be praying for your children, for the gamut. You and I both have teenagers. Maybe I should be thinking less about God give them the right maid and God open the door for them to work and God help them as they 
travel to the Philippines. And maybe, just maybe we should follow a Bible example of a man of God on spiritual track that prayed in a biblical manner for his children and said that they may be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man and that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith. Maybe that's a better prayer. Now, if they are strengthened, and we have a very weak Christianity, feeble, we don't even like to be confronted, not by the Holy Spirit, by anyone. Not even those that are closest to us and love us the most. We don't want to be confronted because we're weak in the flesh, controlled and dominated by fleshly desires. We cannot even see when someone confronts us. We cannot even see the wrong that they're trying to point out. We're so determined to live our lives, pampering the outward man, satisfying the fleshly man, the carnal. Christ said, I'd like to dwell there comfortably. Look at the next step, verse 3. Excuse me, verse 17, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. So what's this prayer? Number one, that they be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. Number two, that Christ may dwell. And when they reach that point, they will start to become rooted and grounded in love. Now, here's what we like to do when someone points out our lack of love. Because we're looking at a symptom. Not the problem. Love's not the problem. The problem is that we're not strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. Christ is not dwelling comfortably in our hearts. And there's not a constant biblical love. So we find it difficult to love even the best in society. Would you not say, having lived in society, that this is the best of society? And we can't even love the cream of the crop? We're saying that the spirit in his work is so feeble, he cannot even enable us to love the cream of the crop. That man does not beat you. He does not come home drunk. That woman is not fornicating. She's not ignoring your needs. But despite the treasure that God has given you, you don't have a Holy Spirit working powerfully enough in your life to even love the lovely. You will be rooted and grounded. Doesn't it surprise you? Maybe a little astounding that those in a Christian home can't even love their own brother, their own sister, their own classmates? Doesn't it surprise you that in a Christian school you can't take 7th and 8th and ninth and 10th and 11th grade girls and have them coexist in a loving manner when they were reared in Christian homes and saved as young children and they've gone from conference to conference and camp to camp and service to service? 
and yet they're not even rooted and grounded enough in love to include each other in a simple conversation. Maybe our prayer shouldn't be, oh God, help me to provide more stuff for their closets, more necklaces, skirts, and shoes, and purses. God, I'd like to provide them a better Christmas. How about if we started square one and start praying that they be strengthened in the inner man to such a point that the presence of Christ is, Jesus Christ is comfortable dwelling in their hearts so you see them rooted and grounded in love. Love for God, love for his house, love for his book, love for his people. What if we just had God come by and say, can you pick out a handful in this congregation that are even at level three that are rooted and grounded? And listen, that's revealed in your marriage. And here's what we don't like about marriage. Marriage reveals the true me. Oh, when you're single, you can hide so much. Enjoy being single. If people can pick out your faults and defects when you're single, you're really in trouble because you're going to get married and everything that you're able to hide behind closed doors. Now there's someone behind those closed doors. <laughs> you know someone who every day wakes up and says, God strengthened me, my wife, Ashley, Christopher, Brittany, with might, by your spirit, in the inner man. Because today, they're going to be encountered with things that could destroy their life. God, would you strengthen me in the inner man? Because I mean to tell you, I'm at school every day and I'm at the Bible college every day. I don't know if I could point at any one child and say he's been strengthened with might by spirit in the inner man. Sharp, moral, high character, talented, beautiful. Yes, 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 and yes. But what about the inner man? What if we brought up these kids and said, how's your walk with God? Level three is you're grounded in love. Boy, wouldn't this be great if we could get the church to level three? Get everyone just grounded in love. What's your problem? My problem? I didn't get to win a soul today. I didn't get to minister today as much as I wanted to. That's not the way we're... My problem? My boss, my job, my wife, my husband, my life. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. To know the love of Christ. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And our love is so undeveloped that we actually have to forgive, overlook, put up with what we deem we shouldn't have to put up with. The love of Christ will change you. The depth, he stooped so low, he ended up on this earth. The length, as long as you live, you can fail him every day and never exhaust his love. Now, you know why we can't understand the love of God? We haven't even hit step one. These are progressive. Here's what we want to do. We want to understand the love of God before we've even been strengthened in the inner man. Look what it says. To know the love of Christ, verse 19, which passeth knowledge. And here's what's going to happen when you truly understand the love of God. How many of you have ever tried to explain love to a 7 or 8 or a 10-year-old or a 13-year-old? And you just give up. So, Mom, what's love? You can't explain it. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. When you get filled with the fullness of God, that means you're pretty much like Christ. You're suddenly patient, loving, like God. Do you know what God is? Long-suffering, gentle. Now, in order to fill you, that, that means there has to be something emptied. Before I ever have a waitress fill my glass, I want to make sure there's nothing else in it. You know why we can't be filled with the fullness of God? There's no room for God. We literally, we come into church, we come into his house, we come into his sanctuary on his day, ready to hear from his spirit, and we have a sign that says, no vacancy. I mean, I've got worries, and I've got problems, I've got frustrations, I've got depression, I've got obligation, I've got duty. I don't have a square inch of my thought process to include you. How in the world can you, you're filled with the fullness of the flesh, filled with the fullness of frustration. And everyone around you sees the fruit of that. How many of you know Carl Woodbury? How many of you, when you see that man, immediately think of someone that is filled with the fullness of God? Anybody doubt there? Now, what if we tried to throw your name in there? How many of you would defend your name being put in the blank? Folks, did you know your pastor defends you? So when your name's brought up, someone has a question or a comment or a criticism, I defend you. Whether or not I'm in agreement, I defend you. 
When you're filled with the fullness of God, you don't need anyone to defend you. Your children know it. Your mate knows it. Your co-workers know it. Your family knows it. And when you're not, when you are filled with the fullness of this world, your mate knows it. Your friends know it. The church knows it. It's not debatable. You'll argue, but in vain. Now, we just read six verses, and then he says, Now, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Oh, that's once we've been strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, when Christ dwells comfortably in our hearts, when we're rooted and grounded in love, able to comprehend and to know the love of Christ, when we're filled with all the fullness of God... Now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. What did Paul say? That power of God that worketh in me mightily. Don't we like to think God could use me the way he used Paul? He certainly could. If we started with the most basic step. Now, here's what I want you to think about because... When we look at those men in the Bible that we greatly admire and appreciate, look up to them. Daniel in Babylon. Do you know it wasn't Daniel's character, the instilled character? Now, his parents, how many agree with that? His parents instilled character. How many of you admire his knowledge and education? His discretion and integrity. None of that carried him through the problems, the battles the trials, or the temptations of Babylon. You know what carried him through? Daniel 6. Three times a day. Daniel had regular relationship with God that carried him through Babylon. There were thousands of Jewish young people that had the same morals, the same character, the same knowledge, and the same talent. They did not make it. What about Abraham? It wasn't his character, determination, or commitment that led him 40 years traveling around, living in tents, looking for the promise of God. That wasn't high character. That was a regular, established walk with God. What about Joseph? How to get through prison? How to get through? being betrayed by his own brother, sold into slavery. Character? You know better than that. You've been better and you have high character. You found yourself in trouble and you have firmly established morals. What was missing? Well, we failed to emphasize and develop I look at my children, I look at the kids in the school. I'd have to say, if we just had a walkthrough and I sat in the platform and brought you up one at a time and handed you a microphone and said, tell me about your walk with God yesterday. Square one is strengthened in the inward man. Nathan, 
do you realize you have two, three, four-year-olds that have to make it through this society until Jesus comes? How in the world are you going to instill enough character and integrity for them to make it without being strengthened by the Spirit in the inward man? The deviation that we see, let me keep you from analyzing those kids that have gone astray. It all started right here. Here's what we were deceived by the outward man. Because just about everybody that graduates from this Christian school would be given employment at the drop of a hat because of their work ethic, respectability, obedience to authority, and high character. Does that make them spiritual? And let me ask you this. We've actually endangered them. Because the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3, in the last days, perilous times shall come. And then you see the root problem and the result. What's the root problem? Men shall be lovers. All we do is facilitate the flesh by emphasizing character, talent, beauty, and achievement. You know what we do? We make it easier for them to love themselves. So they get out, they look sharp, they act sharp, they talk sharp, intellectually competent, morally impeccable. All we did was facilitate their flesh because now at 18, they are in love with themselves and they have a reason to be. You know what that makes them? Boaster, proud. Read the list. None of it's pretty. The new product of the Christian movement is simply the world's product with character and morals. You know why? We missed Ephesians 3. My number one concern has to start with Christopher and Brittany and Ashley being strengthened by the Holy Spirit of God, by His might. In the inward man, I thank God Christopher Combs is here and wears suit. Ashley knows how to match her clothes. But if her higher concern is her dress and her appearance, her presence, the emphasis on the inward man's forgotten. We will graduate young people that will go straight to the world. Their marriages will be filled with problems. Their life filled with frustration, depression. And it all boils down to this. Tell me about your inward man. 